right, on the line with me right here, I have Calum Cossett, or Sergeant Cossett. He's a U.S. Marine. He lives in the apartment right above me in our building. Where are you at, Caleb? Uh, I'm actually at uh, the Nikita International Airport in Tokyo. And uh, you were kind of right in the middle of a pretty serious earthquake earlier, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, yes. I was, uh, well, I, w- I went to Japan. I flew into uh, Haneda and had to take an uh, hour-and-a-half-long bus ride to uh, Narita, which is where I'm flying back to the States. Um, got here, and I was too early to check in, so I went out and got some food. And on my way back down, um, I-, I heard something that sounded like a train. Uh, you know, a lot of airports have those little trams or trains that, that run people f- between the terminals. I thought that's what it was because it kind of had that, that train-like rhythm to it. And then uh, it started getting louder and louder, and then dust started falling from the ceiling. Everybody kind of rose and was looking around, like, what, what's going on right now? And uh, and it started getting really violent. The uh, you know the ground started shaking, and everybody started screaming and booking it for the doors. Uh, my biggest concern at that point was that somebody was going to get you know trampled. But uh, so I, as calmly as I could, made my way to the door myself. We made it outside, and uh, and, and everything was shaking. Like the uh, lampposts were getting ready to snap from their foundations, and uh, it was just a really intense, uh, intense earthquake. Uh, within 60 seconds of it ending, I, I looked it up on the USGS website, and it was registering as a, an 8.8 on the Richter scale. So uh, it was pretty intense. Uh, within five minutes, we had uh, our first aftershock, and uh, they, they, the aftershocks are actually pretty, pretty intense themselves. We've had about 40 aftershocks since the first, uh, you know, the, the initial big one, and uh, and they've been ranging in uh, size from five to uh, to 7.5. So uh, some of them were pretty big, but uh, we had a lot of glass panels breaking and, and falling. Uh, some of the actual uh, ceiling panels on this uh, in the building were falling from the ceiling, and actually a couple of people were injured by uh, by falling ceiling panels. How, but, um, how bad were they injured? Like, what kind of injuries did you see there? Uh, the injuries that I saw, they were pretty. Uh, they were pretty uh, superficial, as far as I could tell. I wasn't uh, uh, involved in the helping process. I was. Uh, you know, I was following the directions of the Japanese uh, police. They were kind of directing where everybody was to go. But uh, when I made it outside, I counted nine ambulances that made their way to and from uh, from the terminal here. So, uh, at that point, uh, we started getting additional aftershocks, and everybody was standing uh, out on the uh, the departure deck, which is actually on the third floor of uh, of this building. So uh, at that point, they started uh, evacuating the entire building because they were worried about uh, you know structural stability. And uh, it, it became the exodus of Narita. They started uh, moving everybody uh, out of the airport, and thousands of people huddled together in the cold, uh, you know, uh, about a mile away. They, they they humped us out pretty far. But uh, from there, we stood uh, about an hour, experienced some additional aftershocks uh, until they decided that uh, they were going to actually have to have a team of engineers come out to clear the building and safe to reenter. So. At that point, everybody was cold. Everybody was, uh, you know, huddled up trying to stay warm. Uh, there were no bathrooms available, so they uh, they moved us over to a bus parking lot where they had a lot of, you know, coached buses, and they loaded everybody up in the buses just uh, for warmth. So uh, this podcast, the reason I'm doing this basically is talking about preparedness, being prepared for things. Uh, 
like uh, I see some adventure medical kits make some travel first aid kits for that are all allowed to go on airplanes. Nothing in there that's not allowed to go on an airplane. Uh, it's designed for that. And uh, as far as clothing, you know, it would be. Ni- I'm sure it would be nice to to have that. For some people <laughs> would probably wish they had a first aid kit. Uh, but you know, I guess the ambulances are coming. But by now. You know, uh, mainland Japan on that area, Tokyo, and toward the uh, coastline, uh, on the direction of the earthquake, their uh, their ambulance and uh, services are pretty tied up right now. So, absolutely, absolutely. And I actually usually travel with uh, with a little medical kit. Uh, to be honest, I don't have it this time, though, of course. But um, but yes, yeah, so it would make sense for people to. Uh, to have something available. I was lucky enough. I didn't check. I didn't have time to check my eye yet, so I did have some additional layers, and I actually loaned out uh, two sweaters to some people that were just kind of standing there. Don't ever expect to have them back, but uh, but you know whatever I could do to help out. I was in a t-shirt, uh, jeans, and flip flops. So, uh, but I had all my stuff with me, so I was able to kind of layer up and hand out what I could. See, I, I hate flying, so I always. Have like ultimate a few layers for extra padding in case we go down or whatever, and I always wear shoes in case I'm on the island of Lost. I don't want to be, you know, stuck there chasing white polar bears or anything with a pair of flip flops on, you know. So I I always wear a pair of like hiking shoes or something on an airplane just to, just to be ready for that myself. <laughs> well, it would be a good idea, and maybe a you know a case full of knives. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Make sure that falls out before you can get it. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe right. a case full of guns later right. on that you can open up. Right, but uh, but yeah, it was an interesting experience. I thought I had experienced earthquakes uh, just living in Okinawa. We've had a few tremors there, and then uh, in Southern California, we've had a few there. But this was indescribable compared to those. It was just uh... right now we're expecting a tsunami, and every time you guys have an aftershock, which has been all day, that extends our tsunami warning because every one of the earthquakes is potential for a tsunami to hit us here. And but what I'm really worried about. More than the tsunami is an 8.8 or 8.9 earthquake like you experienced. What if you were in your tower, like mine on the seventh floor, you're on the eighth floor right above me. What if you were in the tower when that went down? And don't tell my wife about it because she'll be worried that she'll never <laughs> see it again. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but uh, I I don't honestly know how, how that would work out. I mean, I know uh, our, our building, I don't know how the building standards are in, in Okinawa. And that, those are some pretty old buildings as it is. So I don't know uh, I don't know if some of the buildings in Okinawa would have been able to handle it. I mean, Well, I'm sure a lot um, of the buildings out of uh, town wouldn't have been able to handle it. But, uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Some of the but even though the tower, I mean, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I mean, I'm, this this building that I'm standing in right now is all steel and concrete, and we had stuff collapsing. Um, they, uh, Tokyo's been hit a few times, and from the research I've been able to do since since the earthquake, this actually has some uh, some better or improved standards for for earthquake type situations. But it was still uh, falling apart, and I don't I don't know uh, if you can make use of them, but I can send you some photos that I've taken and some video of uh, I actually got two of the aftershocks on video, and uh, I got pictures of some of the damages. Uh, you know, glass panels broken all over the place, um, big. Uh, Things that were suspended from the ceiling that are just cracked and getting ready to fall. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, it was intense. And I would I would say if any building was was not going to be damaged, it would be this one just because of its size and its uh, the way it's made. I mean, it's just all concrete and steel. Yeah, that's what scares me about these towers. Is you know they're relatively 
slender, I guess, and kind of go up, you know, like a tower does. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, we get plenty of steel and the big steel rods that go through the middle of it with the, uh, um, around the staircase, which is made for earthquakes. I mean, this building is designed for earthquakes. Uh, probably more than that, you know, bombs, whatever else. It's, uh, you know, pretty serious structure. But still, when we get these, that seven one that was, uh, 200 miles or whatever offshore a while back, this building was rocking like crazy. I couldn't imagine one that was 80 miles away from this building and an 8.8. That would just, man, I, I felt like I was, I was leaning way forward and leaning way back when that earthquake hit us that one time, the, the big one, the seven something. And, uh, I couldn't Absolutely. imagine eight. Man. It's like, I couldn't imagine walking in this tower or even standing up in this tower, <laughs> in that 8.8. Crazy. Absolutely. RTVs would be tough. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. As I'm sure. Mo- that's crazy. Well, I'm glad you're all right, man. And uh, I'm sure you're probably going to have a few more earthquakes around there. But hopefully you get a flight. And, uh, you know, you're, you're just trying to get home and get a your, lot of things your wife and daughter. Right on. But it was here. just, it rocked my world. It was uh, an experience that I'll definitely never feel. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But one of the biggest things, too, in any situation like this, because you, you referenced uh, preparedness, is, is just you got to keep calm. You know, I mean, the, in, it was a very serious situation with, you know, you have... 5,000 people in a massive lobby rushing for a door. It was the biggest bottleneck you've ever seen. And, uh, you know, I was yelling for people to sit down. And all these people speak Japanese and don't know what the heck I'm saying. But, uh, but I was trying to, you know, kind of get the point across while still making my way out myself. But, um, but that's, that's the biggest thing. You gotta keep a, you know, a comfortable head because, uh, losing, losing your head could, uh, cause a lot more damage than good. So that's the biggest thing. So right now it's looking like I'm stranded for uh, 24 to 48 hours here. They uh, still have no outgoing flights. Do you have power? A lot of people back in the building. We do have power. We do have power. Um, but it's it essentially looks like a refugee camp. There's people laid out all over the place with blankets that were uh, furnished to us from God knows where, uh, hospitals or whatever. They brought uh, food and blankets and stuff, and everybody is laid out all over the lobby of this this massive uh, airport. And uh, it just looks like a scene from a movie. It's, it's pretty interesting. But a lot of people are stranded here, and uh, there are over 200 flights up on the board right now, and all of them are indefinitely canceled as of right now. So uh, all right, say it this doesn't happens. look like maybe from what you see right now, say this happens, and it could be a possibility. You know, just something for the listeners to think about when traveling. Have a sleeping bag with you. Have something with you so you can lay out on the floor and sleep, whatever. But uh, if the pow- if you had another bad earthquake right now and the power went out, but you were allowed to stay in that building, and you maybe everything was shut down for forty eight hours, could you? Where would you get food and water? Uh, well, they've already been bringing in a lot of uh, stuff. <laughs> if they weren't bringing in uh, supplies, I, I don't know. I don't know what the contingency would be. I know they got a lot of restaurants up on the second deck, and I would suspect they would probably get looted a little bit. Yeah. I would, of course, have no plot in that. No, but uh, if it really came down to it, I, I don't know what would happen. Uh, but ever since the first one, they, they have been bringing a lot of... Uh, you know, a lot of food, the, the dry shelf-life type food. I've been eating rich crackers and, uh, and granola bars that they've been passing out. And, um, you know, so they, they've been pretty quick about the response and how they're dealing with, you know, the masses here. Trying to keep but, everybody uh, calm, and yeah, that's good. Right, right. But uh, if we had lost power for 48 hours and didn't have this food provided to us, I don't know what we would do. Uh, 
I don't know. It would be one of those kind of situations you'd have to cross the bridge when you get to it. But uh, uh, that would be kind of an extreme thing. Losing power would be one thing, but I think yeah. they would still find a way to get us food. And if not, we would find a way. I mean, worst came to worst, you can do 48 hours without food. Uh, water would be a different issue, though. Yeah. Well, if you, I guess if you had to, well, you're there by yourself right now. It's easy for you. You can just take off on your own and, and go get something, I guess, if you had to, if it got really bad. But, uh, you know, then, right. but if it was you're on your way back and you had your wife and kids with you, then it's the dynamic. It would be a changed. different story. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything gets cut uh Okay. But it definitely opened my eyes a little bit. I will definitely, uh, you know, definitely keep in mind for future, for future travels and future situations. It's, uh, you know, something to keep in mind. You never know what's going to happen and you never know what's going to happen to you. Well, I mean, I'm glad you're okay. We saw the, uh, we saw Tokyo airport video from airport on TV and we, uh, from the CNN news room in, uh, in Tokyo and, you know, we, we've been in some earthquakes here and they were pretty long. We didn't think they were ever going to end, but this thing, watching it on TV, you know, I, by being in a few, I felt like I was there. I just couldn't believe how long this thing kept going. It was crazy. As uh, glad I'm not there, and hope it doesn't happen here. Because if this building starts shaking <laughs> the first too, time, we're down the stairs and uh, out the door. I'm not saying this yep. building for aftershocks. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, makes makes it a comfy comfy place. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, definitely appreciate you uh, you know, giving me a call and, uh, and having me on. We'll see you when you get back. Have a safe trip if you ever get out of okay, there. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> oh, right, I man. will eventually. If I have to swim the ocean, I'll make it. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Bye.